0: Recently in Washington state, a controversial or a praiseworthy amendment was made on how veterinary technicians can be credentialed. This week, we want to talk to two experts, veterinary technicians who are close to this topic about what impact it may have in your world no matter where you live. This week on the Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And one of the tough topics that we continue to talk about is licensing of veterinary technicians, title protection, uniform education, all of those things we've been talking about from a variety of fronts. Well, this week, we want to talk about some recent developments that have occurred in Washington State that actually have big impacts around the country. And I can't wait to have this conversation. But before we get into that exciting conversation that you all need to listen to, as always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward, and unfortunately, my other co host Becky Mosser, RVT, is unable to make it today. But that doesn't mean we don't have a great show because we've got two RVTs, Ryan Frazier and Ashley Byrne. And Ashley, start off, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're here to talk about.
1: Yeah, thank you for asking. So what is happening in Washington State is the Veterinary Board of Governors is working on an apprenticeship proposal that has been brought to us by a three hospital veterinary group in the in the middle of Washington. And so the Washington State Association of Veterinary Technicians us has been working with the Washington State Veterinary Medical Association and the AVMA and NAVTA on opposing this apprenticeship program. Um, So there's been a lot of work that's gone in, a lot of stakeholder feedback um, and a lot of action. We're looking forward to talking more about it here.
0: Right. So, Ashley, just to summarize the way I understand it, a a group of private practices decided they wanted to create a program, and they call it an apprenticeship, that would allow people working in their clinics to become licensed, credentialed veterinary technicians. Is that kind of the gist of it?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, And they seem very excited about it, right? You know, I think that we are all looking for solutions to the veterinary technician, you know, shortage, right? You know, it's, it's very, it's really bad, I think, especially in rural areas. Um, But in this process, we've learned so much and so much more about how this is not an appropriate space for licensed veterinary technicians. So, um, you know, I'm really grateful that we've been in the trenches and been able to learn a bit more about this.
0: Ryan, just for for context here, I mean, already pathways exist. I mean, I was doing this with my staff 25, 20 years ago, right? We had distance learning programs where they could take courses online and go to universities and different clinics and do different things. Why, why the need to create it within their own clinics? Why didn't they just use the existing structures that are already approved?
2: That's definitely a question that I do have for them. When we first started talking about this, they did say that they had um, their students in a program online, but they couldn't get their students through that program. So I'm not sure why then instead of creating an apprenticeship program and leaving the accreditation for a AVMA accredited institution, I'm not sure why they didn't create a member or a mentorship program that could work with
0: them with this. Yeah, actually that was really my first question. Concern when I started hearing about this story some time ago, and I was like, okay, this already exists. Why are they re- reinventing it? And actually, you know, I couldn't help but wonder if it was a cost savings, if it was a fast tracking, you know. And and look, I'll be the first to admit, viewfinders, I'm always looking for creative ways to get more people credentialed, licensed, educated, equipped to do our jobs, right? But I I don't know about this. Just I'm going to do it myself, actually, because that's kind of what it felt like to me. I mean, in my clinics, I could have easily have tried to pull this off, but I felt like, wow, there's already a system in place. Do you have any insight into why they decided to take it upon themselves to create their own veterinary technician track?
1: Yeah, it's it's a great question. And I think what's really important I want to comment on is the Washington State Veterinary Technician Board, we we waited to we reserve judgment for a while. We were very very cautious when we were looking at it in the early stages because we too want to explore any option, right? You know, we, we want to know, like, is it, is this something that would actually work for us? And, and we pretty quickly found that it would not, um, right, right. you know, but we are all looking for innovative ways to do that. So I think that's important to mention that all of the groups involved are, are always open-minded and still came to the very, very strong opposition in this space. I think, you know, the Cascade Veterinary Clinics has shared that they want a robust program, that they, you know, were not happy with the online programs, which is a really complicated space to be in. And from what we can tell, I, I think you're right. We're not, we're also not sure why we're sort of reinventing the wheel. Um, it really seems like you could take a curriculum from an online course and work with that. But what they have going on is they've pulled in the apprenticeship council. And L and I, you know, which is the space they seem to be leaning on in a big way. The the issue that we have is that that's not a veterinary space, Um, so it doesn't really seem like a necessary space to be in, especially when you consider the lack of AVMA accreditation, which is really at the core of our opposition. AVMA accreditation really provides the backbone to all of the programs right it caught you know the list goes on we could spend an entire hour if not more on avma accreditation but it, it really caught it, it really has all the peer review space and all the curriculum and in ensuring that everybody is teaching and learning um, what we need to know to be licensed veterinary technicians and They've really worked to build a curriculum around that. That's that's an equivalent. Our AVMA counterparts have looked at that and found some holes. But in the absence of that AVMA accreditation, we really fall short and really come back to the on-the-job learning space. And so, when we look at why this might come up, we we are also re- we're confused and we're concerned.
2: To add what Ashley was saying as well um, with the. Washington State is a very apprenticeship-forward state. Um, we're, we're definitely looking for ways to, for many positions, but they continue to compare veterinary technicians to medical assistants, to peer counselors, to behavioral health coordinators, to sterilize, or sterilization technicians, and even pharmacy techs, and that's not what we are. I don't think they understand what a vet tech really is.
0: Yeah, Ryan, I got the same impression as well, because when I looked at the list of comparative apprenticeship programs in Washington State, I was kind of like, wait, I don't, does this really match up? Does this sync? And is this actually doable?
1: Right. I think it's so important here that what Ryan really lined out there is that I think there's a misunderstanding in what we do um, with people, you know, working on this program. I think that we have a vast misunderstanding. Licensed veterinary technicians in Washington State are allowed to provide a lot of services. And one of the things we said early on is it seems disingenuous truly to not require a certain level of education when we ask so much and hold them to that by the Veterinary Medical Board, right? And I think it's important to know that, while it's not apples to apples, certainly we're closer to registered nurses, right? Right,
0: and, um, and they're not on the list, <laughs> okay? Right, they aren't. Nope, hey, the guys all. that come out to your house and fix your... your- car glass when it's got a crack they're on the list but not nurses
1: <laughs> you know and nafta did a really nice job comparing that as well you know which which was super helpful it just we are closer to registered nurses in terms of our autonomy and you don't see an apprenticeship program for that in fact it is widely understood to not be an apprenticeable profession which is what we're working to
0: right uphold right <laughs> definitely and, and guys look i I, I'm so supportive of apprenticeships in America, right? And I think those are trades that we need desperately and, and people can benefit from them. But again, is the medical realm where we are playing, <laughs> is that the appropriate? And let me just give you viewfinders just some of the list that, that I was provided to. It's a, these are automotive glass technicians. These are all people that, that can do apprenticeships in Washington to be licensed. Automotive glass technicians, cosmetologists, electricians, machinists, aircraft mechanics, I mean, you know, Ashley, do you see yourself on that list? I mean,
1: (laughs) No, no. And I think you bring up a good point, man. I don't know where we would be without apprenticeships for many of the professions, right? You know, my husband is an apprentice, an apprenticed electrician, right? So it's interesting going into this because I can see the benefit. I, it just doesn't work here and it's not for lack of want, right? right? right. You know, we, we could consider that we did deeply consider and it's, the lack of the accreditation or, or something similar, right? AVMA, CVTEA right. is the accrediting body for our profession, which serves such an important purpose. We are focused on the health of our patients and well being. And if you look at the Veterinary Board of Governors there, um, and the Washington State Association of Vet Techs and the WSVMA, you know, we all have a mission statement that really is committed to the health of our patients and the health of the public and well-being. And working to have an apprenticeship program or any program for that matter, not to pick on apprenticeships, any program that doesn't have that accreditation, falls short. We put ourselves in a really unsafe space. And that that is very concerning at this time.
0: Uh, one other thing too, guys, you know, I think it's important to, to bear in mind this pathway that we're talking about, these accreditations, th- th- this isn't new stuff. I mean, this goes back to 1972 when the, the entire Committee on Veterinary Technician Education Activities was established. And, and so that is the group that says, okay, what does it mean to have a veterinary technician program, right? So this is going back to the early 70s. So again, to kind of try to reinvent it. And I'm all for reinventing education, guys. Don't get me wrong. And we've seen huge strides. But I, you know, again, this just seems like a step back. Backwards to me. And I guess, Ryan, I'd like to get both of your opinions on this. I mean, to me, I'm trying to elevate the stature of veterinary technicians, right? Because I believe you are medical professionals. You know, I think you're on par with a registered nurse. This seems like a step backwards or downwards to me.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that on-the-job training, you learn the skills, you learn some of the skills, but you don't necessarily learn why you're doing it. And I think that's the important thing that we need to do to continue to elevate our career. Um, I think back in the early 2000s, Washington State got rid of on-the-job training. But if you read through this the entire program for the apprenticeship program, they continue to talk about on the job training. That's something that was removed. Let's get, let's get people elevated. And then my other concern is there is a shortage of technicians in Washington state and all over the place. And we're adding job duties to teach people onto, onto the already I'm sure short staff clinic that they have. So I'm not sure how it will work in the clinic and how, Efficient will be, they'll be to be able to get these technicians or the potential technicians trained on why we're doing these things.
0: Okay. So Ashley and Ryan, we've, we've all opposed this. We've said, Hey, we have concerns and questions and we think it should be closer (laughs) scrutinized, but that doesn't matter because it's already enacted. Tell us where we are, what happened? There was a vote, you know, explain to us because even the people that voted on this, like I was like, wait, is that the, that's who, how does this work? I mean, we're, this seems to be a done deal.
2: I personally, for me, I'm frustrated that it was voted on because it was done by the Veterinary Board of Governors to start off things. They could have ended it right there. And they're the group that got rid of on the job training, but it goes back to a group of veterinarians deciding the career path for technicians. Right. There was one technician there on the group. An um, on, on-the-job on trained technician, and those are, that's the group that approved this, and they ignored the tech Association, where we'd done a lot of research onto this program and decided to be opposed to it because we had concerns
0: and they ignored our concerns. Ashley, how does a group of veterinarians get to vote on veterinary technician law?
1: Right. It's a really important question and we we would love to know the answer also. I think it's <laughs> I think it's worth noting that the veterinary board of governors is looking to add at the end of this year. They'll add another veterinarian and another veterinarian or technician. So we're hoping to see another veterinary technician welcome to that board. Um, I you know, I think it's a really important point that Ryan made is that, you know, the veterinary board of governors voted to approve this in in light of even all the opposition, right, from the stakeholders. There was very loud opposition from major stakeholders, again, including the WSABT, the WSVMA, NAFTA, and the AVMA. In addition to that, we had over 80, I believe 100, but I don't want to misquote, technicians and even DVMs in opposition on that call where they had voted. Um, it, was, it was a huge turnout, especially a last-minute turnout to get, a, you know, a lot of stakeholders on the line. Very, very impassioned conversation. And nonetheless, the vote went through. Um, In in addition to that, from there, to to finish answering that question, the vote then went to the Apprenticeship Council recently. That's, That's what made the news. On October 20th, the Washington State Apprenticeship and Training Council voted to approve. Though what's notable there, like we were talking about earlier, Washington is a very apprenticeship forward Date And it was not surprising that they, I mean, that's what they do day in and day out. The WSVMA CEO, um, Candace Joy, and I were in that meeting and we were surrounded by awesome apprenticeship programs. So it was disappointing, but not surprising that they pushed it forward. But the main point is, to Ryan's point, it should never have made it past the Veterinary Board of Governors. They are the, the people who should be making the decisions on the future of veterinary medicine, not the apprenticeship.
2: And I want to add that the Washington State Vet Med Association in the tech uh, association of the state, they work extremely well together. We are a group that they ask our opinions. So I'm not saying all veterinarians in Washington State are making decisions for technicians. But yeah, I just want to throw that out there that the Washington State Vet Med is absolutely amazing and we love working with them.
0: Yeah, agreed. And they were in support. They they took your opinion, your position here on this. So, I mean, again, I think that the writing is clear. Okay, so what what's happening next? Like, okay, is this forever and ever a done deal? Is there a way to undo it? Is there a way to modify it?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So from here, the apprenticeship program received provisional status. And so they can, to my understanding, they can get started on it at the at the start of the year. But again, provisional status. Our coalition is what, you know, Again, the the four organizations, NAFTA, the ABMA, ourselves, and the WSBMA are working on next steps, and we hope to have more information soon. I think, at, just like what is stated in many of the articles, we'll, we'll move forward and, and looking at an appeal process, um, and we look forward to steps from there. It's it's definitely nuanced, um, you know. So we we want to see what we're excited to see what'll happen and see if we can't set a precedent.
0: Yeah and actually that's what I want to talk about next, the precedent that this sets because you know again you're listening to this you're going I'm in Missouri, I'm in California, I'm wherever this doesn't affect me. It really could because if this is allowed to stand and go forward, Ashley, my fear is that this is going to be replicated all across the US because this is another way to to quite frankly make money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so what's happening here and what it's such an important question because the reason it will Matter to everybody else is because what we're working on here is that the veterinary technician space is is not an apprenticeable occupation. It's just not. And so not in the way that we operate or should be operating with our veterinary technicians. And if we're able to set a precedent in saying, hey, you know, this is not apprenticeshipable, then that will help other states really gear their focus in in the direction of growth in a way that is helpful for all of us. And that when I say all of us, a rising tide floats all boats, right? If we have really highly skilled, qualified veterinary technicians, that helps our DVMs. That helps our veterinary assistants, which, by the way, we love our veterinary assistants. Veterinary assistant is not a bad word. I think part of what fuels this is we're we're often in a space where, you know, we feel like it has to be, everybody has to be right, a technician, right. which is not necessarily the case, Um I think it's an excellent career path, but I think that I think that contributes to the problem as well.
0: Yeah. And and even there, actually, I've been a strong advocate for actually codifying an assistant role. I mean, yeah. you know, so, so I think the strata is wide open, but I do have concerns that this is going to be replicated around the country. And Ryan, I'd like to get your opinion on this. But, you know, I mean, if this works out in Washington, do you think that then suddenly North Dakota might say, well, let's try it here, too? We need techs.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think everybody's looking at the tech shortage, which I totally agree. Um, There definitely is a tech shortage and we're trying to find ways to, um, to improve that and they're also looking at Colorado State because Colorado State does have an apprenticeship program but it's not like the apprenticeship program that they're putting here they're actually working with an AVMA approved college right um, right so it's totally different and i think that is definitely a way to go i think that there are a ton of people that learn different i personally for me i'm not a book learner i'm a do-it learner. Um, So if there was an apprenticeship program like Colorado State, where we have that combination of on-the-job, apprenticeship part of it, and then the book part, that's great. Um, And I think we need to build more of that for all the different learners that we have.
0: Yeah. Although, Ryan, again, I'm going to urge caution with terminology like apprenticeship, because I'm with Ashley on this one. I think that it does sort of devalue the, the position and the knowledge base that I think it should require. So, you know, again, I nuance, guys, and this is really why words matter, you know, because <laughs> calling something an apprenticeship gets you in another set of regulations and rules. Calling something, you know, a profession goes in another pathway. So, we we have to be careful. Ashley, also sort of, you know, when we're talking about this, this clouds the issue around defining a veterinary technician. Like right now in January, Colorado will begin to enforce the use of the term technician, veterinary technician. And there are still currently 10 states in the United States. So that's 20% of the U.S. No rules around that. You can call yourself, I I, can call myself a vet tech, Ashley. So tell us how this sort of confuses the terminologies that we're going to use, right? If you take this alternate pathway, you take this apprenticeship, are you really a LVT, RVT, CVT? I mean, right.
1: It's the title piece is really important. And I I think that, Right now, we're having a lot of uncomfortable conversations, you know, like we had just mentioned, you know, veterinary assistant versus veterinary technician. You go into many states and everybody's a technician. And I think what happens is, is there's so many negative feelings as we start to kind of dissect what a technician means versus what an assistant means. I, I think we get a lot of hard feelings, right? You know, some people are like, well, I've been a technician, you know, quote, technician for, you know, my entire career. And I understand, I understand how that, that can feel. But, you know, we really need to get clear on what we all do so we can all move forward in the same direction. I think that's the main point is if we can really look at where we need to go as a profession, where we need to be in 10 years, in 20 years. You know, I don't always like to draw comparisons to human medicine. But if you look at it, I'm surely, you know, 30, 40 years ago, everybody was a nurse. Right. You know, I'd have to look, you know, but. Now, there are clarifications, right? There are nurses, registered nurses, right? There's title protection on that. There are medical assistants and many other spaces. To your point, you know, I would love to see some additional titles get codified. That'd be incredible. And that definition matters. We really need to know, you know, what role we all play in the hospital and grow in that way. Um, right, and and right. It, it matters quite a bit as we move forward as a profession. Again, you know, helping the public and and saving pets the way we need to do and And I also think that, as we do that work, including codifying different titles like veterinary assistant and and so forth, we are going to increase the value of everybody in the hospital, and that's going to grow us as a business as well, right,
0: right.
2: On top of that, I think we need to stop adding different titles to <laughs> um, the profession. We don't need a mid or mid level practitioner. We need to utilize the titles that we do have, and we need to like define the titles and use them to the fullest extent.
0: I know. And I've got a good friend who's an attorney who just is turning (laughs) over right now. So sorry out there. You know who you are. (laughs) Well, listen, in the last few minutes here, I want to get you guys a hot take on this. Okay. So Ashley, the reason that this came about is because of a veterinary technician shortage. So these people said, we're just trying to solve a problem, guys. You aren't moving fast enough. What do you think we can do to help solve the veterinary technician shortage? I'd like to get both you and and Ryan's uh, take.
1: Yeah, it's a great question and also a very nuanced one. And I think one that you're right. I I think that we have best intent here, right? Everybody wants the same thing. We want to grow. I think many of the things we already talked about are super helpful. We need to be really clear on the title of licensed veterinary technician. I think um, we need to work on having more standards across states, to your point, we have 20% of, you know, of the states in the U.S. that are, that do not even acknowledge veterinary technicians. So we really need to grow in those spaces so we can move forward. I think that um, having those standards will push us all forward in a high medical quality. And I think what that will also do is include, or excuse me, in, improve our value in the hospital. And, and I think we all know that there, you know, our compensation deficits. I think in many spaces we're getting so much better um some clinics are already there it looks really good but i think a lot of our practices have some room to grow so i think that once we you know can get to a space where we standardize i think compensation will come along with that and i think we'll have more and more people hope to join us in in the licensed veterinary technician space
0: Ryan, same question to you i mean so again these people bring up a valid question we got a problem we're trying to solve it what are you guys doing what are you guys doing Ryan?
2: Yeah, I think they're the way that they're solving it is the apprenticeship program, but it also takes three years to complete, um, where traditional programs usually take two years. So, and they're I think accepting eight students in at a time. So I don't think it's going to solve. What I think we need to do is we need to retain the technicians that we have. Um, I don't think that there's a problem of getting students into schools, especially with the online programs, all the programs that they have, online, in person, all the different possibilities. But we need to keep the experienced technicians in the field. And people are leaving at a concerning rate. Um, Some of these brilliant technicians that I know that have been on the top of their field for many years, they're starting to leave the profession and that's extremely concerning.
1: Yeah, and you know, to to add on to that, technician utilization, right? Right, I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to is we need to get these qualified people in the practices, elevate everybody and use them, right? You know, veterinary technicians can do so much, right? We can take technician appointments, we can really help the veterinarians which helps the business as well. And that's what keeps those technicians in the
2: hospitals, it's not just technician utilization too. It's the entire team technician. I've done relief at a hospital that the assistants are only allowed to do laundry and walk patients. They're not allowed to get involved, draw blood, or anything like that. I want to use my assistants, my receptionists, to the fullest extent of the law that we can use them here in Washington State, um, and. I'm working in my hospital on creating a training program that will get those students or those assistants to be utilized for their fullest extent. So they'll stay with us.
0: Yeah, I got to tell you guys, this is a conversation that we could continue for some time. Viewfinders out there, you need to stay on top of this because this is something that I think is going to have big ramifications around the country. I can't thank Ryan Frazier and Ashley Burn enough for, for joining us today, sharing your thoughts, opinions, and experiences on this. Guys, thank you so much for all you're doing, the hard work you're putting
1: in. Yeah, thanks so much for having us.
2: Yeah, definitely. And if you ever want to reach out to us, you can reach us at info at wsavt.org.
0: Yeah, and and is WSABT.org, is that the website where you kind of keep the news up and so forth? Yeah, definitely. And I'll have that all in the show notes, guys. Again, I'm sorry that Becky couldn't make this conversation. You guys know how impassioned she is about this stuff, and she was... She was so sad she couldn't make it today. But viewfinders, what do you think about this? I mean, is the veterinary technician field one that can do an apprenticeship and be called a credentialed vet tech? I mean, do you think that this pathway should exist? If not, why not? And more importantly, do you think that this is something that we've already solved and these people are just trying to do something on their own? I don't know. I don't have the answers, but I do know this is a complicated issue. You can definitely find us on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. You can tweet over at me primarily at Vet Viewfinder. And of course, as always, Becky loves to get your emails. And I'm sure some of you are going to have some good questions for her. You can email us at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. Again, thank you to Ryan Frazier, Ashley Byrne, two amazing licensed veterinary technicians from Washington State. Guys, we will talk to you next week. Bye. See
1: you later. Thanks for having us.
0: Bye. Enjoy your day.